You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 337 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? I'm good. What's happening in Gina world? Well, firstly, I'm very excited about this week's episode. You guys are going to love Mitchell Wu. Uh, So good. uh, Amazing images. So can't wait to share that interview with you. So I've been been, um, down the beach, Val. Amazing. What? Had so much fun, yeah. So, you mean uh, actually swimming in it? No. Uh, oh. The weather's turned here in okay. Melbourne, so it's pretty much um, uh, autumn-ish. Uh, okay. So, but uh, just went down and hung out with some friends and it was just really lovely. And, I like, I actually prefer uh, the beach when it's this time of the year. I love the light this time of the year and I love how the water looks and I love that there's no people there. <laughs> That's mm. probably my favorite part. I really love visiting coastal towns in off season when they're yes. empty. So, um, I'm trying to squeeze a longer trip in, uh, like a couple of weeks. I'm just trying to sort, I'm just waiting to see like that this whole, the borders aren't – I don't want to get caught, like, oh, I know. on my way somewhere and then I have to quarantine for two weeks. So, yeah, um, yeah. you know, that's that. And then, uh, you know, working on stuff, got a couple of big – a few big projects that I'm working on at the moment. So, uh, busy but in a good way, Val, that I'm not I'm not stressing. I'm not, like, in the fetal position in the corner, <laughs> uh, really enjoying it. What about you? What have you been up to? Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, I am – I haven't been to the beach, but I'm going to the beach yeah. and I'm going this uh, in a couple of days because I'm actually directing a shoot. Woo-hoo. Yes, and it's going to be quite a challenge because a beach is obviously very beachy yeah. and casual, but I, I have to direct three guys and I know that they're going to turn up in suits because that's the sort of people they are. Right. So I will uh, be convincing them to take their jackets off and uh, be finding an appropriate location at the beach so that it kind of makes sense because it's still got to make sense. Yeah. Um, the photo still needs so to make sense. it's a photo shoot? Yeah, it's, it's for some editorial for yeah. um, uh, a publication. Yeah. And um, so not only has the picture got to make sense, it's also got to um, – I'm not taking the photos. Yeah. They've got the, a photographer, but I know the exact shot that I want to achieve. Uh-huh. And um, I will be revising all of your posing in groups, especially for men shots. Yeah. I mean, I mean tutorials. And um, I already have in mind some of my direction. I will be channeling Gina. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I already know quite a lot of what I'm going to say because I've seen you shoot so many times, <laughs> yeah. and your tutorials. Are so fantastic so fortunately they're kind of um 
probably similar height, build kind of thing. Yeah, right. Um, but, uh, you know, I need to make it look casual and as if the camera's just gone past and not staged. So I don't yes. want it. I don't want the corporate headshot look at all. I want it like, it's, you know, they happen to be at a, ca- a casual event and the photographer's there. So wish me luck. <laughs> oh, you'll be great at it, Val. I've seen you actually direct people and you'll go in and you'll do the pose and you even do the face. That's because I'm channeling you. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I also want to give a shout-out to one of our listeners, a long-time listeners, uh, Biuna Dashi, who uh, and her rock star son, uh, Kian, who uh, helped me out. She originally gave me the invitation to Clubhouse, which I've been loving. (laughs) I have so much fun on there. So I really enjoy. Yes, yes. Uh, But they, uh, like, uh, Kian uh, helped us out get, get it all connected and everything from the back seat as uh biuna was uh driving along there so uh that's fantastic so big thank you to those guys but i have been really enjoying clubhouse and connecting with a lot of uh great photographers who i wouldn't normally be able to discover who are experts in their field and uh we'll be bringing a lot of them onto the podcast uh to interview them so uh i've been very much enjoying it. And as I said, I will reiterate, I prefer the smaller rooms uh, because uh, you can have a, uh, a decent uh, long-form conversation rather than the bigger rooms. And it's just a matter if you're going on there, you've just got to spend a bit of time. It's like with any – it's kind of like dating. You've got to, you know, kiss a few frogs before you find the prince yeah. or the princess. So you go around and uh, test it out. You'll know you'll know the vibe because every room's got a different vibe depending on who the moderators are. Um, mm. So you check it out and, and don't – just uh, go based on the first uh, try. Go in a couple of times and, and check them out and uh, you, you'll find you like, it's a good way to meet people because photography can be uh, a lonely uh, thing to do. So it's a good way. It's, it's always good to connect. And I think the other great way you can connect, Val, is in our Facebook group for the podcast listeners. Yes. Just go onto Facebook and search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community and request to join. We'd love to see you in there. There's um, photographers from all over the world, from all walks of life, and it's great to see so many shots of so many different things. I think mm. it's awesome. Fantastic. Mm. There is, of course, the gold community too. What's been happening in the gold community? Oh, my God. They're killing it over there. It's like so. We've been working a lot on all manner of different things. So it's like, you know, my specialty is uh, people photography. But uh, what we've been also investigating is uh, because it's a great way to learn lighting is I've been um, asking the goldies to do uh, more sort of um, product shoots so just and basically just shoot what you have uh some tabletop stuff uh, particularly for the ones who can't get out at the moment due to you know all sorts of uh different factors so that is a great way to do lighting so a lot of them have been experimenting with focus stacking and composite lighting and then there's also the photographers that are uh, you know practicing their headshot lighting so um a couple of them have gone from zero to hero which is what i've called i'm going to name a course that zero to hero val (laughs) and uh you know in a matter of weeks gotten Mm. from i do not know how to light headshots to high-end beautiful corporate 
advertising style lighting and it's that quick with the feedback and uh the encouragement you get both from the goldies and from me personally so uh it's fantastic i love seeing their work and i love uh, seeing them go to the next level fantastic and if you'd like to find out a little bit more about the gold community have a listen to this this podcast is brought to you by the gold community if you're wondering what it's like to be a member of the gold community over at GinaMilitia.com, I asked Eva Swagger why she joined. And then all of a sudden I, I noticed there is this community and tutorials and uh, individual questions and, and um, sounded like, oh, this is really exciting. Um, it has fulfilled my expectations and beyond because uh, it's an enormous source of of. Uh, of resources of, of tutorials of, of knowledge experience it's, it's always a personal touch a bit of a humor um, it's um, yeah it's just great <laughs> the major change is uh, portraits I thought this is nothing for me because well how do I dare to think about taking portraits of people who am I <laughs> doing that but the more I, I see and I learn about it and the more I see other members uh, first struggling and then um, uh, progressing it's so ins- inspiring oh certainly i would recommend it it's worth every penny <laughs> if you'd like to find out more about the gold community just go to genomilitia.com and click on join the community all right so let's move on to our guest this week tell us more about mitchell Wu. Yeah, so I I think I stumbled across Mitchell Wu's work from a recommendation from someone in the So You Want to Be a Photographer Facebook community suggested that I interview him and so I went and checked out his work and oh my God, Valerie, the joy I got out of (laughs) seeing his work. And I think after speaking to him, his job sounds like one of the best photography jobs in the world. So he's a Los Angeles based photographer Mm -hmm. and he creates uh images from toys uh that's it but he animates them in a way and the way that he shoots and i i really urge you before you listen to this interview go and have a look at his instagram page Mm. i'm just scrolling down to the link here so he is mitchell woo photography so that's m-i-t-c-h-e-l WU Photography on Instagram. Have a look at his work and you will be delighted um, by the imagery. So he really takes – this is a genre, this toy photography uh, is really popular uh, on social media and it's sort of a, a new kind of niche, but but Mitchell takes it to the next level. And if you have a look at the images, his sense of humor comes through, that um, sense of childlike wonder that he injects into the images comes through and you can't help but be happy. Now, you think, well, why would you photograph that? And it's like, okay, A, it makes you happy. But Mm. B, this work, because it's so good and he puts so much effort and he does all of these in camera, by the way, so there's no composites or trick photography. It's all done in camera. The fact that he does that, it got noticed because it stood out from the pack. And so he now gets to do this 
for a living and shoot for um, some amazing clients like Marvel Entertainment, Walt Disney Company, mm. Disney Plus, and uh, a stack of others. So like, he gets to do that every day for a living. So in this interview, I wanted to get, get into his mind and work out his thought process, how he got into it, how he does the work that he does. He shares some great tips for beginners and uh, how he finds his inspiration and he walks us through uh, – you know, a shoot. So you can um, have a listen and uh, be inspired by the amazing work of Mitchell Wu. Mitchell Wu, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thank you so much, Gina. It's really a pleasure to be here with you. I'm super excited to chat with you today and uh, get into how you uh, do your amazing uh, toy photography. Before we start, a question I always ask my guests is, where in the world are you? I am in Los Angeles, California, just um, about 45 minutes from the ocean, so 45 minutes and 45 degrees difference in the summertime, pretty much. So, oh, really? Yep, like I'm, hotter or cooler? You're obviously oh, hotter. Much where, hotter. Right. Much hotter. Interesting. Yeah, so actually, we plan to, my wife and I plan to move um, to a town called Ventura, which is 45 minutes to the west, which is right on the ocean, so oh. we'll be there hopefully in the springtime. Beautiful. And have you guys been having a, a colder... Um, winter than the normal this year have you been affected uh, by the big blast that's happening across america not at all i mean we've been in the 70s 70 degrees fahrenheit recently so i mean while texas unfortunately has been mm. really been hit hard with the frigid weather we've been in t-shirts so yeah i mean that's california has its issues but uh you know the weather is not normally one of them yeah fantastic well that's good to hear so it's a it's kind of a bit easy going and um the sort of stuff that the work that you do uh is that mostly because it's kind of tabletop smaller sets are you able to work uh, from home yeah that's a great question yes um you know i came from prior to photographing toys i photographed weddings so the the contrast of shooting somebody we say at a one-to-one -one scale, which is human scale, to go to like a <laughs> one-twelfth scale, which is six inches, is amazing. So I just remember going to weddings and, oh, I got to find the location where I could do the the beautiful portraits of them and of the bride and the groom, you know, with toys. It's like, okay, I'm going to go out my porch and <laughs> I'm going to set something up and it's beautiful. So there's some... It's a it's a wonderful change for me just to be able to work around the house, front yard, backyard, porch, basically. It sure is, and like when I look at your images, Mitchell, I just see that like there is this uh, a real playfulness, uh, definitely a sense of humor that comes through, and um, you know this uh, sense of. Uh, childlike wonder and imagination and i say that in a in a in a really positive way because i found that uh most of the best creatives in the world have that sense of play that 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 need to uh dream and uh you know imagine and 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 play like like, like we did when we were little kids before we were um sort of uh you know, had our faces in, in um, you know, iPads all the time. So how, <laughs> how important is that to you? And is that something that you've always had about life? Do you just walk around the world like going, wow, check this out? Are you, are you just into things in that, that sort of um, childlike way? 
To a degree, I think I am. I mean, I agree with you. You know, we all grew up with toys. We all played with toys. It was a, it's a universal thing. You become a certain age and you start getting away from, most of us start getting away from toys and we have we build other inches or we, you know, we get into cars, which is another type of toy or whatever it is, photography. Yeah. Um, so to rediscover toys, it makes it easier to, you know, I feel like I've always had that 10 year old kid kind of buried deep inside me. I do go around with um, I look at things with a different type of eye than a lot of people do, I yeah. think. But when when I started photographing toys, it was easier for me to access that 10 year old kid. Um, at first, maybe it was a little harder to bring him out. But now it's like he resides right under my skin when I bring out toys and I'm trying to come up with some ideas to um, put the put whether it's Woody and Jesse or Buzz from Toy Story in a really playful situation. Um, it really it, it's it's fun. It's it's a lot of fun because I can just go back to that 10 year old boy mode and just kind of let my imagination run free and the ideas will just start coming to me. And as a child, did you just spend hours and hours on end playing with uh, superhero toys or were you a Lego fanatic? I know there's like for some reason when whenever I bring up Lego with photographers, everyone's like, yeah, I've still got my – I mean, I've still got my original Lego and uh, apparently it's, uh, it's worth a bit of money. I loved my Lego so much and I also was always making things or drawing or things like that. Was that the case for your childhood? For sure. I mean, Legos, you know, when I grew up, we didn't have the Lego minifigures that there are now, but it was just those bricks. So yeah, you were really right. forced to use your imagination to build things. Um, but, you know, besides that, I, I of course, had my G.I. Joes and Hot Wheels and Matchbox. Um, I grew up in just outside of San Francisco, and we, our backyard had um, a lot of pine trees. And if I wasn't like, if I wasn't playing with my toys, I was basically living in those trees. And I remember my friend, he lived down the street and around the corner. So about a half block away. And I could literally get to his house without ever touching the ground because I would just be in the trees, climbing from one tree to the next until I'd end up in his backyard. So that oh, was amazing. <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was a really fun way to grow up. Um, you know, it's like we used to have the you know, I grew up in the 60s and 70s and we had the, you know, you picture the wood panel station wagon. Yeah, our yes. family had that. It's from the Brady these, Bunch. Exactly. Yeah. Very similar. And <laughs> my family and I, we would take these cross cross state trips to go see relatives or do whatever. And if you were lucky, you would get the very back of the station wagon with, with the luggage and the sleeping bags. Yeah, no, no, no seatbelts, right? No seatbelts, of course not. You know, I'd, I'd unroll some blankets in the sleeping bag and I'd have the toys out. And it was there where it was like my, my imagination would just kind of run rampant and I would like the folds of the sleeping bag could become the waves of an ocean and you know just crazy imagine and so it was not long ago that I it dawned on me that I traded in the back of that station wagon for basically my studio which is where I'm still coming up with the same kind of stories and imagine and predicaments for these action figures or whatever kind of toy I'm photographing I thought that was wow that's really interesting I just like moved from the back of the station wagon to the studio that I'm shooting in now. It's very fascinating. Yeah, and and so like, like I almost think it's a shame that um, kids today have so much access to distractions, and they're not given the opportunity to just be bored, and also for a lot of us to just be bored and have the ability to daydream because I think that's where all the great ideas come from. You know, um, what do you think about that? 
No, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, it's just become more challenging with, with uh, smartphones and iPads and, and video games. And so a lot of uh, toy companies do realize this and they're trying to really get back to real play for kids, which means, you know, bringing out the toys and not necessarily have a, a movie or a story dictated to them about these characters and what they're supposed to do with them, but to really just let them free play and let them use their imagination. So when you see kids play with like if you give them um, some toys from Star Wars and then you give them some animals and then you give them maybe some other like Marvel superheroes, they don't stick to the Star Wars or Marvel narrative. What they do is they play with every one of those toys and they mix them up and they make their own stories up. And I think there's a huge value in that as opposed to playing, you know, a video game where you are basically um told this specific narrative and what you're supposed to do with these characters. So they're taking away a lot of that imagination that a kid would normally use when they're playing. So I, I love that just good old fashioned toys can really lead to a kid using their imagination. And, and as you probably said, it's like once these, once you use these imaginations, they kind of set a foundation for what you could do in the future. Yeah. And I, I've noticed um, in the TV industry and uh, it's also in movies, you often – we're seeing a little bit now where they're, they're bringing in like there might be one TV show and then suddenly they give a little nod to another TV show or actually uh, merge those shows together where they'll bring another character in that, that, that you would never imagine. And it's kind of like, well, here are the writers – doing the same thing that you've been doing or we've been doing as little kids they're they're playing well what would why do we have to stay with these core characters why can't we bring someone in from a you know a completely different genre which is what you do with your uh toy photography you're, you're mixing you're not sticking to star wars and and uh you know toy story you're you're mixing them all together which i find um really interesting and 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 quite exciting Thank you. I mean, you know, when I first started, I, I, I took my very first toy photo in 2015 and I didn't know what I was going to shoot. I honestly didn't have any toys. And everybody at the time was like, if you wanted to Instagram, everybody, all the toy photographers were photographing Star Wars. So I thought, okay, I'll just get some, you know, stormtroopers and I'll start shooting them. So I did, you know, if you go way back into my Instagram, you'll see the first few photos that I took were with stormtroopers and it was fine and all. And I, you know, I do enjoy the Star Wars, um, series and, and properties. I'm not a Star Wars. I'm not like a Star Wars nut though. So after I shot them for a while, it was like, I wasn't feeling like an emotional connection to, to what I was shooting. And it, it was then that I realized that um, not long after that, I bought my first uh, Toy Story Woody toy. And it was like it was then that I realized that what really draws me to want to do this more is to is cut, there's a strong nostalgia aspect to it, whether it's um, a movie or toy that I had when I was growing up, but more likely um, a movie or a story that I read or toys that my daughter played with when she was growing up. So when she was growing up, we watched Toy Story, you know, dozens of times. Um, one of her favorite uh, bedtime stories was that I read her was Where the Wild Things Are by uh, right, Maurice yeah. Sendak. Yeah, and so all the, you know, like you can imagine, a lot of the Pixar um, properties, these are the things that she grew up watching, reading. And so if you look at my Instagram feed or my website, a lot of the things that you see there kind of reflect that. And it's, it, it all goes back to the nostalgia aspect. 
Yeah, there is a, a lot of nostalgia. And I, I imagine that it's like um, uh, your fan base is not kids. It's all adults who are like that. there is a reaction when you, you know, you, you look at those images and you're, you're either taken back to that uh, part of your life or it's just the, I mean, I, the, just the sense of humour that you have and um, I think is, is what I love. I think, yeah, just that joyfulness and uh, and it's amazing um, when I look at uh, these figures, to me they come alive when I look at the – because I can't look at a Lego figurine and not crack up because <laughs> they've just got this attitude, don't, don't you think, when they're on their Absolutely. face? They've got a tone about them and I notice that uh, I get a lot of my students to practice lighting using figurines and I know that the face is fixed, right? But it, when they, they are placed in different situations – and I know it's just me projecting, but it's amazing. It's incredible, I find, how different, how the mood changes just by changing the look of the photo. Do, do you find that? Like, that, I, I see emotion on these figures. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the goal. I mean, I like to say that um, for, for a toy photograph to be successful, for me, it needs to, of course, be a dynamic photo, but it needs to show emotion in it and if possible to show some kind of motion yeah. but for me it's yeah for me like emotion is huge um i really want to try and tell a story in a single frame um and then again to have some kind of action if that's possible that's great but the but the focus is the emotion honestly yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly um so like obviously you didn't start out. I've just I've just seen the one with still Sylvester Stallone and his his boxing sausages. That's just so hilarious. <laughs> do you crack yourself up when you're working? <laughs> you just like if you it makes what, it, you laugh, is that like it, you go? It yeah, does this happen. Is good. It does happen. I don't know if you saw um, if you saw the most recent Toy Story. It's Toy Story Four, and there's the protagonist, the like the new main character is this guy named Forky. And he's a cross. He's a spork, basically, which is a fork and a spoon together. <laughs> and so I, I did, I did some images for, for actually for for when the movie came out. And so I had the toys, and I'm going, what else can I do with Forky? And so I had him sitting on the. So I was with my wife and my kid, and and Forky was sitting there on the kitchen table as I was eating my breakfast. And it, and I'm going, okay, Forky, Forky, Forky. He's a, he's a spork. He's a fork and a spoon. He's a spork. And then I, it just like a light bulb went off in my head and I ran to, um, one of the, our clouds, our storage closets and I grabbed these like plastic picnic utensils. Cause he's like a plastic utensil yeah. and I picked up a plastic fork and I picked up a plastic spoon and I brought him to the table and I, and I had Forky looking at them and in my mind, he was saying, mom, dad, you know, and as soon as, as soon as that, that whole thing came together in my head, I could not stop laughing. It was so, anyways, <laughs> yes, it does happen. <laughs> it does happen. That's fantastic. I want to uh, really get into your thought process for, for developing these shots. But before we go there, uh, how did you actually end up becoming a toy photographer? Were you uh, a photographer before that? How, how did you get into the industry? Such a good question. It's it's a very strange industry to be actually talking about. But so in 2006, um, my background is in illustration, and I was a, and for most of my career up to that point, 
actually all of my career, I was a product designer slash product development management. And what, you know, what sort of for, products we, we, we yeah, so um, in 2000, it's basically collectibles and gift, which means figurines. It could be resin figurines. It could be um, ceramic figurines. Um, in two, in 1996, 1995, I was recruited by the Walt Disney Company. They moved me down from Northern California, and I headed up the product design and product development for their high-end collectible line, which was a vertical business for them, meaning it was their business. They ran it like a company within a company. Right. Um, and the, the product was beautiful. It was ceramic figurines. I did that for six years. From then, I did other. I had other jobs doing the similar thing. And in 2000, I mean, in, in 2005. I, I got the absolute highest paying job of my career, but it was also the worst job. It was like the job from, well, I won't say, but it was the worst job that I ever had. And so... What was also, bad about it? What what was it that you didn't yeah, enjoy? I mean, first of all, it was, a, it was I was... I was developing a product that I had no feeling or passion for. In fact, I disliked it quite a bit. Right. Um, they were they were rubber stamps, and you'd find them at craft stores. And nothing against rubber stamps. I just it's not something that I felt like I wanted to be focusing my career on. Yeah. And it was more than rubber stamps, but it was craft supplies. So it was like paints and and stencils and that kind of thing. And it was it was dreadful. And the company I had no affinity for. I didn't necessarily like the management. Um, I did not enjoy the culture. It was just a bad job. Um, at the but, same time, I'm sorry, sorry I just interrupt you. Um, but there might be people listening that are thinking, "Okay, I'm in a like low-paying minimum wage job now, and you know, uh, it doesn't matter what the job is because at night you can just go home and count all your money." So, what's the problem, Mitchell, with having a high-paid job? Why why is that so bad? Well, it was it was bad for me because at the same t okay the same time um, my daughter was born it was like almost the same time well yeah. she was very young she was a toddler and it was a long commute to this job um, so I would leave before she woke up and of course I would get home either after she had gone to bed or was just going to bed so I was like seeing her not at all um, and then you know this. When you when you're at a job that you don't like, it, it's probably very stressful. For me, there was like the, it was it was a lot of stress, and again with the things that I just mentioned, these things to me, um, it's not worth it. And right. so the big the big lesson that I that I the huge lesson that I got out of this is, was that you just can't chase the money. There has to be more to a job than the money because ultimately it's you're you're wasting time and you may not even be doing a great job for the company because you're not there. You're not invested in it. Yeah. Um, right around the same time in 2006, I lost my older brother. We were really close. Um, and it was sudden and it was unexpected and it was, it was like a huge punch to the gut. I mean, it, it took me literally months. I had never felt any pain like that in my life. Oh, I'm so sorry. It was, <laughs> um, it's, you know, they say time heals all. And to me, it, it does. I don't, I don't feel the pain. Mm. I haven't felt it for a long time. Thank goodness. But when it happened, it was, it was excruciating. And that was around the same time that I, I had that job. And those two things combined, long story short, those two things combined was what convinced me that I had gotten so far off my path. Um, what I thought I'd be doing with my life after I got out of art school that I needed to get back to 
like somehow I needed to get back to that path. And I'd always been interested in photography. I'd never, I was never a professional photographer up until that point. You know, I, the most I'd ever done was shoot with a point and shoot. Right. But I had, I had decided at that time, it's like, you know what, I'm just, I'm, I've, I've seen what the other side looks like. I want to, I want to try to do something that I can feel passionate about again. I can be really creative. Um, and so I started doing, you know, lifestyle ph photography, headshots, corporate photography, which event eventually led to um, shooting weddings. And I did that probably for seven or eight years. I, I've photographed hundreds of weddings. I don't know of many photographers who actually go out and say, I'm going to shoot weddings, but <laughs> I, I definitely wasn't one of them. I thought, I don't want to touch those at all with a, you know, a 10 foot pole. I yeah. don't want anything to do with them. But, you know, I had a, a friend whose widowed mom was remarrying and she asked me if I would photograph because she knew I, I was a photographer and she said, would you shoot my wedding? And I, I just couldn't say no. And so it was then when I started looking at what was being done in the wedding photography industry that it really blew my mind. It was not the wedding photography that was happening in the seventies or eighties. Yeah. You know, it wasn't cheesy. It wasn't cliche. Um, it was beautiful and it was artful and there was creativity and there was storytelling. So when I saw that, I, I was all in for the next, whatever, seven or eight years. So, in so with that, sorry, with, with that, um, entry into the photography market, was there a moment where you sat down with your family and you said, I'm going to quit my job and take this leap of faith and become a photographer? Was there a transition period? How did that, how did that work? And how was that, that sort of conversation? And was there support, uh, fr from those around you? Or did everyone look at you and say, you've got this? bowler job what are you doing <laughs> um well my wife had seen how unhappy i was prior to that you know so she's always been super supportive and always in my corner and she has you know gone above and beyond as far as patience as far as um what i've wanted to do but i think i've like i've kind of been like a i don't know how how common this is, but I always felt like I was a restless creative. So I was at Disney for six years and, and literally that was the best quote unquote job that I've ever had in my life, you know, as an employee. I mean, we get free passes to all the parks and it was just wonderful, amazing people. But at year six, I just started feeling like there's got to be more than creating figurines of Mickey and Minnie and, you know, Lion King. And although as cool as these pieces were, I was starting to really, really to get restless. And so I decided I was going to leave. And, you know, even then my wife was fine with it. I, the one thing I regret was after my kid was born is that I didn't have those passes anymore because we paid so <laughs> yeah, much in park yeah, passes. Right, yes. But yeah, so, um, they've been very supportive and my wife was probably not surprised because I've, I've done so many switcheroos with things that I've done. Yeah. Um, and she's been very supportive and even once in a while she'll still ask me, so how's, how, you know, how are you enjoying it? Cause I think in, in the back of her mind, she's been a little of afraid that, you know, that I would want to change to a different type of photography because I'm getting tired of toy photography or something, right. but, I, but I definitely have no plans to change. I think I've definitely found, um, the genre of photography that um, allows me to be as creative and as imaginative as I can be. And even the, the more creative and imaginative I can be, the better. So, yes. All right. So was it, it just like you, you quit that, that, the Disney job altogether and went out 
and then no, hustled the, the, or did you the, was there the a transition was there was a transition I, right. I went to a two other companies both were not great and the last one was the one that i was talking about which was the worst job that i ever had so i went into like i said the wedding photography in 2015 i was still shooting weddings my daughter was 15 she was just entering high school and you know i just it just dawned on me that I have her here at home with me for probably another four years and there's a very good chance that she's going to be moving away to go to college, which she did, but I didn't know what she was going to do, but I had a feeling that's what was going to happen. So I was missing so many weekends because yeah. wedding photography is we are weekend killers, yeah. as you probably know. Yeah. And it, you know, once in a while you'd even have two weddings a weekend. So you'd be shooting Saturday and Sunday and there was no way, no way that I was going to miss any more of my kids. Um, weekends or childhood or growing up or whatever. She was a competitive swimmer. Um, she swam for clubs, she swam for high school and I would miss some of those meets and it killed me every time that it happened. So it was then in there, 2015, I said, that's it. I'm shooting my last wedding this year. And right around the same time that I was shooting my last wedding, you know, I started seeing on, on Facebook, my nephew, he was doing some, he was like playing around with toy photography. It was something that I'd never seen before. Um, and honestly, I think the art form was really in its infancy at that time, but I was seeing what he was doing on Facebook and I'd see like this picture of, um, he'd have a Ninja turtle on a BMX bike and it was flying over like a little jump or something. And I'm looking at it and, and honestly, and he'd probably even admit it as well. It was, it was not great. It was cheesy, but for me it was like, okay, he's captured this Ninja turtle on a, on a BMX bike in the air. So I'm going, how did he do that? Did he? Did he, and this, this is not a uncommon question when people see how it's, see the images. It's like, how did they do that? Did he actually throw that and just somehow capture that in motion? Cause that's what I was wondering. Yeah. Um, but of course that's not how it's done. But so anyway, so he's, just, you know, we're on Facebook or we're texting. I can't remember. He says, Hey uncle Mitch, next time you come up to San Francisco, you know, bring your camera. I'll take you out and we'll go shoot some toys. And I thought, all right, sure. Why not? And so it took several months for me to get up there. Um, finally did. I brought my gear. Um, you know, as a, as a professional photographer, having shot weddings for eight years and other things, I had all the gear. But when I went up there, I, as I said earlier, I didn't have any toys. So he loaned me a couple of stormtroopers and I just set these two stormtroopers up in like the, the crook of a tree where the, where these two big trunks came and formed a V. I put them there and I shot it. And it was like, almost literally from the first click of the shutter that I did it dawn on me that first of all, it was something amazing to me. And second of all, there was absolutely a career that could be made of this. That was the thing that immediately struck me. And I went home and I edited the photos. I put them on Instagram. I started looking around on Instagram to this day. This is where toy photography primarily lives is on Instagram. This yeah. is where there's a pretty large community of people um, it's a very friendly community. Um, everybody's very supportive. Um, but anyway, it's like it, it really cemented in my head that this is the new direction I'm going to take. I'm just going to dive in um, head first and I'm going to go for it. So I, it, I literally took the first year, which is 2016, to develop a style, to kind of learn some of the techniques that I'm using now. Um, and I ended up um, having to Although most of my gear transferred over beautifully, the one thing that didn't transfer over 
really that ideally was the lighting. So I had to build my lighting kit. Um, but yeah, so that first year was technique and making contacts. 2017, um, I noticed that somebody from Mattel was following me. And so I reached out to him and I immediately, I had a one-year contract with Mattel. Oh, and, brilliant. Yeah. And so from then, and that was a good learning experience. Oh, I'm no, not saying, unbelievable. I just want to go back a little bit now. You actually yeah. spent an entire year and I'm just... From your wife's perspective, I'm just thinking, okay, again, and I know I keep going back to the you had a baller job and then you did the weddings and now you're a grown man in the backyard for a year uh, playing with toys. I'm just because I just know how this works in terms of like what people around you are saying and how that can influence you. What sort of – um what sort of comments were you getting from family and friends? Like, did people think you had a breakdown or something like that? I mean, I, <laughs> honestly, I think it's unreal and it, like, and I couldn't think of anything better than being able to do that, to just go, okay, this is a genre I want to do. And, uh, you know, if you give something six months and apply yourself the way that you did, you're going to get a breakthrough. And you've proven that, but, but like, you know, here's this – guy from Mattel who's following you and you get a year contract because you did the work. But what's everyone saying at that time? Because I know that there's a lot of people listening who might be in the same situation and they're almost talked out of pursuing their dreams because everyone around them who, based on their own fears, is saying, this is silly. There's, I can hear all the arguments already, Mitchell, like, there's no money in toy photography. This is ridiculous. It's like, yeah, th these are great, but how are you going to live? How are you going to pay the mortgage? How are you going to do it? Did you get any of that sort of pushback? I got none of that. I think Amazing. because Yeah, I think because people know me well enough now that they know that if um, I set my mind on to something that – they can say anything they want, but I basically have blinders on and I'm just focused, you know? Um, yeah. So I had the support of my wife. Of course, my kid thought it was cool because I'm photographing toys. <laughs> yeah. Um, but from the very beginning, I mean, I don't know if this helped my wife, but from the, from very, very fast on, um, I was starting to be featured in different things. I was, I was getting, I was like getting these it, it's, it was even shocking to me. I was getting huge coverage in the UK, like yep. twice now I've been like across all of the major newspapers, they come in waves where I've been featured. And that has driven a lot of like, a, for a while, a lot of my, most of my clients were coming from the UK, which, and I, and I'm pretty sure it was because of those articles, but very, it was very fast. The trajectory from starting to getting a lot of um, media attention and I think the timing of everything that was going on really contributed to that because even today I could walk down the street and, and somebody might say, hey, so what do you do? And I'll say, oh, yeah, I, I photograph toys, um, you know, and I'll get kind of a blank stare. Right. And yeah. I think the assumption is the always the assumption is, is that when I say I photograph toys, it's I'm, I'm photographing toys in front of a white background. Yeah. They're being used for catalogs. Um, but then, of course, when I when I pull out my phone and I show on my Instagram page, you know, the the reaction is almost always the same. First, the jaw drops, yeah. and then, and then they either literally say it or their face says it. It's like how, like what, like how is this happening? Um, but still, so my point is that even though I'm, you know, I've I've made a career out of this. Um, I think most people, like probably most of your audience, has never seen like 
this type of toy photography before. Um, it, it's, it doesn't even surprise me anymore because I kind of expect that, that it just hasn't really saturated the mainstream. Yeah. Definitely, definitely it's, it's, it's had, you know, it's had its moments in the mainstream, um, just with some of the features that I've had, but, but again, most people are not familiar with it. And I think that's, that's also one of the good things because that's why I get a lot of the, the, like the features that I get because people just haven't seen it. And when people see it, they think that is crazy. I mean, maybe it's a novelty. I don't know to them, but it's something they haven't seen. It's dynamic. It's fun. The toy aspect is huge because everybody's had toys or plays with yeah. toys or kids plays with toys. So I think all of those things combined, um, kind of contributed to what's happened in the past five years. Yeah, and I think it's a, like a particularly interesting time now because we find that um, in popular culture, we're, whenever we're under stress or pressure, we tend to go back to uh, nostalgia as a way of you know comforting ourselves. So I think in in this particular time in history, where like there's so much going on, like we're going back, they're remaking um, TV shows that fr from our youth, and and also this whole toy culture is another way of you know t you're immediately taken back to a time in the past when you know that that golden time of your childhood so i think there's a combination of nostalgia but think your images i've seen other toy images and you know they're cute but it stops there but you, you the fact that you add the movement and the humor uh, all of that combined, and also the way that you execute the sh the shots, they're sort of they're, they're high end commercial uh, with the humour, with the with the movement uh, combined, uh, is just what takes it to the next level, and it really does give it that wow factor. So now I want to tap into a. Where do you think the ideas come from? So what's what's your process? So you're you're about to wander out into the backyard and create an image. Is there some thinking time? Do, do, are, there, are the ideas just coming all the time? How does that work? And then I want to like sort of jump into your shooting process. Yeah. So the ideas, you know, when I first started, when I first started photographing toys, I could I wasn't shooting at home. Primarily, I was going to a, a local park about half hour away, and the the park is amazing. If you're familiar with Star Wars, there's a planet called Tatooine, and this this park looks exactly like Tatooine with these amazing rock formations. In fact, it was used for some early Star Trek episodes. It was right. used in yeah, it was used in a lot of sci-fi as well as Western um, old westerns. But I used to go there and shoot, and when I'd go, I'd have like a little piece of note paper where I'd have like a dozen ideas kind of scribbled down that I wanted to shoot while I was there. Um, and I'd come back with maybe seven or eight images and I'd be set for like, if I wanted to post one a day, I'd be set for a week. I don't know if this is the same with other genres of photography, but you know, toy photography is so idea centric, at least for me, that over time, those ideas are not as easy to come by. So like if I venture out into my backyard to shoot something now, it's usually because I have an idea. Yeah. Um, but the ideas are, and I don't know if it's because ideas are harder to come by or because I'm more, um, you know, more selective in the stories that I want to tell, but whatever it is, 
Um, I don't go anywhere with a list of 12, 12 ideas anymore. It's like I'm, I'm comb- I have a list on my phone of these images that I want to create as they come to me. Um, but yeah, they're, it's not like it was when I first started. Well, I so, think that's for everyone, Mitchell, because, I, you know, I, I see it time and time again with, um, you know, uh, students out there and like when you're starting out, and this was certainly the case for me, you have a million ideas. And and every when you do a shot and you execute it and it it looks technically good, in this was my experience and I've seen it with others. You know, you look at it and you go, "That's amazing! I'm amazing!" And every shot here is amazing, right? But as you uh, develop your style and learn more about the craft and you get deeper into it, you become more discerning. So your eye is far more critical of your own work. Um, sometimes to our detriment and the the you're, you're discarding a lot of the, no, nah, that's not going to work. I don't like that. I don't like that. And you become more sort of laser focused. Do, do you think that, that that's the sort of case? And then you're like, well, you're rejecting a lot of the other sort of, you know, 50 percenters and looking for the, 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 the ideas that are more like, you know, this is, this is new and exciting to my eye. I definitely think that's what it is. You know, I think um, what would have passed muster five years ago yes. won't even make the idea list right now. So, um, for sure, for sure. And is uh, that but- is that a struggle? Because it's like, um, this, when you think about it, the stuff that you were doing five years ago is still, to everyone else, amazing. And do you think that um, images slip through the cracks because you're, you're just being too hard on yourself? Do, do you have those moments where uh, depending on uh, your state of mind or, ha- or how confident you're feeling, an image can either be great or it do- just doesn't, it doesn't get through the gate and then you might look at it again years later and go, I, I can't believe I missed this image. There's nothing wrong with it. Does, does that happen to you? Um. Maybe not to that degree, but I have had um, something go like, okay, I'm not even sure about this image, and it sits in it sits in my idea list forever. Yep. And then and then finally I decide, okay, you know what? I'll go ahead and do it. Not because I think it's a better idea now, but just because it sat there for a while, and you know, maybe I need I want to shoot something, so I'll take that one out of kind of the files and I'll shoot it. And when I after I'm done with it, I'll either like it. Or I'll love it, or I'll be just so-so on it. Yeah. But what surprises me, and this is not what drives my choices, but what surprises me is like I'll post it. I'll post it on Instagram. I don't care if I don't like it. I'm probably still going to post it because I consider Instagram almost like my sketchbook. It's a place where I can experiment and try different things. Yeah. So I'll. So a lot of times I'll post stuff that I'm not crazy about, um, but the reaction from from the audience will be often very surprising as far as them liking it so much. So to your point, I mean, it's almost like how when you hear your own, like most of us, when we hear our own voices for the first time, it's, it's like, you know, nails on a chalkboard, right? It's like, Oh, I hate (laughs) that. or I hate that. But, but no, people don't care about that. You know what? They don't, this is a personal thing. Yeah. And so they just, they hear what you say where they see what you created without all of your self-doubts. Yep. And it's often very surprising. 
Yeah. I love that you use Instagram as like your – it's almost like you've got this uh, really sophisticated way of testing a product, which is exactly what a toy company will do. They'll develop a product and they'll send it to different test groups, right, and get the right. feedback and then they'll say, all right, well, the arm doesn't go up high enough. We need to change that. So you're getting this instant uh, feedback and you know kind of what direction to go in. Is that – is that always a good thing? Because I know that if I photo, if I post sunsets, I'm always going to get lots of likes. And then when I start posting the stuff that I really love, you know, it's kind of like almost you, you don't get that, that many likes, but it's a different um, kind of person that's going to start following you. Yeah, I don't, I don't really do. I mean, like I said, I use it as kind of like a sketchbook and a place to post my experiments. And yep. But are you not I, swayed by the reaction? Like you go, oh, okay, when I do Stormtroopers, obviously I'm going to always uh, get a better reception than when I do a, another kind of toy? Not at all, because if you look at my Instagram feed, you'll see, like if I'm looking at it right now, and the first yep. image... The first image is Boo from Monsters, Inc. And yeah. she's a cute little girl in yep. this monster outfit. And then I have some little Toy Story aliens. And yeah. then, okay, so if I really cared about follower, like gaining followers and pleasing the crowds, I, I actually wouldn't be shooting these properties. Yeah. Yeah. I That's mean, great. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the toy photographers who have the most followers, and I'm not one of them. I mean, mm. I, have a, I have a respectable following you and I'm do? happy with yes. it. Um, but those would be more superheroes and Star Wars because if you look at the toy community and the toy collectors, um, it's a certain demographic. Yep. I'm definitely my, my photo, my images and my subject matter is definitely not targeting that demographic. Interesting. Um, yeah, but I mean, I do what I do because I enjoy it. I yes. mean, I love these properties and I love telling stories with these properties. I will I will still shoot Star Wars, but usually there's some kind of weird angle there to it. There is. There yeah. is. So like if you went down a few rows, you'll see the Rancor, which is the monster. He's using two stormtroopers like marionettes or like puppets. I mean, that that is so far out. I even think that one's way out there. Yeah. But you know what? It was an idea that came into my head. And it was something that I thought would be fun to create. So if the story really interests me and it's a Star Wars, then I'll, I'll totally do it. Um, or if it's like a Marvel superhero, if there's a fun, if there's a fun slant that I could put on it, I'm going to do it. Um, that's one of the things actually going back to what drives my story or what, how I get my ideas is that we're going back to these characters. They're such well-known, they're iconic characters. Yeah. You have stormtroopers, you have Woody and Buzz, they're iconic. We've been basically, I don't want to say force fed, but I'll say it. We've been force fed <laughs> what these characters are and who they are, what their personalities are. Um, so I like to kind of like take you it from a different perspective. You do. Like, yeah. Like, well, what, what, what can these characters be that's unexpected? So I like to use an example of, I have one image of Darth Vader and he's he's pushing a stormtrooper I've on a I've got that image that, up right now. I was going to ask you about it. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, this so it's one. Like the whole genesis you, of that idea exactly. was like, okay, well, Darth Vader, he's an evil. He's a villain, right? <laughs> so so he, you know, he force chokes people. He's done that to so many poor people. But really, when, he's, when he gets off of work, what does he do? What is he like? <laughs> 
you know, he gets back to his he gets back to his room on the Death Star, his cabin on the Death Star. Does he keep his mask on? Does he keep those big black boots on? I don't think so. I think he takes it off and I would say he lets his hair down, but his hair got burned off in lava. So I know he doesn't let his hair down, but he takes off his boots. He grabs a beer. You know, he's probably he turns on the tube. He's probably just a regular guy. He maybe watches some football or whatever it is. So that's how I kind of come like how I approach some of these characters like, OK, we know what they're supposed to be. But behind the scenes, what are they really like? So I love doing that and coming up with ideas that way. The, 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 that image is so ridiculous. I've laughed and laughed and laughed so much at that image because it's, it is it is. There's this just like, yeah, well, okay, on the weekend, what are these guys doing? And the fact that they're, they're friends pushing, and he's pushing him on the swing, it just gives me so much joy. So, yeah, yeah. I think that's I don't uh, think people are brilliant. evil 24-7, you know? <laughs> And just even that notion is really uh, childlike and beautiful, and uh, and I think it's that unexpected twist that I just enjoy so much about your images. Now, let's uh, talk about the process. So you've 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 got these little these sets that you have uh, around your home, and obviously you must have uh, a really well organised. Uh, sort of props gallery where you can reach in and uh, obviously uh, like many, many bags of tricks. What I'm intrigued by, and um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, these are all shot in camera. They they are mostly all shot in camera, yes. Um, of course, I use Photoshop, but yep. I, in general – the Photoshop is used to remove elements of the of the image, not to add them in. So it might be a wire or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. So anything that's flying or propped in the sky, defying gravity somehow, they're they're definitely on wires. Yep. And those just need to be removed. But yep. like the the water splashing, the milk splashing, the dirt and debris tossed up in the air, explosions, smoke, fire, whatever it is, those are generally practical effects, which means real. I create them yep. um, in real time. They're captured in camera. I shoot with a um, – I'm just it's just me, myself, and I, so I shoot yeah, with Yeah, no assistant. A, that surprised me because I imagined you'd have like a couple of assistants. One is, you know, blowing on the water to get the splash and the other's throwing the – the the dust th across right. the frame you're doing it all and then shooting at the same time yeah so i just it's a just a cheap wireless remote shutter release yeah and it allows me to be at the set doing whatever you know with lights or creating all these effects i mean it's it, it has worked really well for me i mean it's very rare when i've had to ask like my wife or my kid, hey, can you come over here and help me with this? It's Hold this. Usually, yeah. Yeah. No, nor, I mean, I would say 99.9% .9 of the images, is it's just what I told you. And often when you've got someone else who's not kind of in sync with you, you have that um, you have that moment where it's like, okay, you've got the set, it's all pristine. Okay, so on three, I want you to throw in the dirt. One, yeah. two, no, no, yeah. on three. Oh, and then you've got to put, <laughs> you've got to pull everything out, clean it all again. How um, you must be pretty good at with timing by now, I imagine. Well, obviously. Uh, how many hits and misses are there or is it different depending on the shot or do you generally nail it first frame? Um, it's possible that I nail it on the first frame. Like if we're talking about like a melt splash or the dirt and debris, but yep. I always shoot way more than that just because I want to have options. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously shooting digital is a, lets you do that so easily. Yeah. You know, a different story back in the film only days, but 
you know, so I, I do take a lot of photos. I, I'll call through them and just choose the one or two that I want to use. I, I mean, that's it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> All right, and, and I've seen you share some behind the scenes video, so I hope it's okay to ask: Is there a couple of little tricks for newbies that you you know in your bag of trips tricks to give that sense of motion? I've done an entire uh, episode on levitation photography, so I know that uh, you know most people listening, are, you know, across the board on how you achieve the the floating images in the screen. But in terms of like getting those uh, perfect splash and uh, the the fragments that that, that uh, convey movement and the timing. What are you using to to get the splashes? Yeah, so it's really basic. I just use compressed air, like the kind you use to it's dust brilliant. off your computer with. It's so yeah. good. It's like I wouldn't think of that. I would be like, okay, I'm going to just drop a rock or something to get that splash. <laughs> but the the using that canned air, so you've got with the canned air, you've got a little uh, like a straw yep. on the end. So you can be incredibly precise. And I guess all that would be in the image when you've shot it is the, the actual straw comes in and that's what would be um, removed from the shot. So you do a blank plate then you do the, the the then you take the shot and then you would do a variety of uh, uh, splashes with the yeah exactly I mean sometimes the blank plate really doesn't help because this the the red straw oftentimes is on the splash itself right so you just if that's the case then you just clone it out clone. basically so yeah. you've gotten really good at cloning I, I imagine yeah you know um, one of the you know, there's been several game changers for me in photography, and one of them is my Wacom tablet. Yep. So just be able to use the pen tool. It's like if 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 any of the photographers out there is not using a Wacom tablet to for editing or whatever for painting and stuff into your photos, um, definitely try it because it is so intuitive to use the pen tool as compared to a mouse, and it's I think it's so much easier on the wrist, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've uh, already started to have issues with my uh, right arm because of like you know many many years of uh, mouse usage. So so that's a good tip. Um, all right, and so when but when there's uh, like d dust and debris, is there a particular kind of dirt that you're using are there any any tricks is there a household object that makes great dirt no it's the magical southern california desert <laughs> dirt that's the key <laughs> it's seriously the the dirt here is like it's fine, i do think it's a little it? magical because when you when you throw it it does have the particles like dirt but yeah. there's also a really smoky dusty quality to it too that yeah. kind of hangs in the air yeah so uh, I mean, it's a regional thing. Everybody may have this dirt, but I'm not sure. I, you probably wouldn't have this dirt so much in the Pacific Northwest because it rains so much. Yeah, yeah, right. You now, we are always in drought conditions. We're a semi-desert climate, so it's a very dry dirt. I guess um, you could I source at, that too from a garden supply store. Like I there might be dirt or them. So like um, last February, I was uh, invited to go to New York Toy Fair, and it's the biggest um, toy trade convention for the it's for the toy industry in north america and they this company that i was working with is called schleich usa and they do animals and dinosaurs and they literally set up this booth in the middle of the main lobby to be like a working studio for myself so i was there shooting wow. but i was so concerned about the dirt and i <laughs> I, I sourced like i looked at all the i looked at all the home depots and the hardware the, like the home supply companies yeah. and 
I couldn't find anything. So I ended up just like getting a huge bucket of dirt from, uh, from my yard and I had them ship it to the, to, uh, the Javits center, which is the big convention center in New York city. And so I had my own dirt there and it was beautiful. (laughs) Well, I guess you get used to, uh, using your own sort of, um, tools and things like that. So this is probably just an, an extension of that, you know, that, that you like the quality yes. of your uh, particular dirt. And I guess someone on the other side of the world might, you know, find something different. I'm, I'm curious, sure. have you ever, like, because around um, LA there in the desert, there, there are, um, that's where they used to shoot um, a lot of the Westerns, right? In the 60s. Yeah. And, and so, exactly. have you, uh, and and it's really recognizable. Have you have you done anything out there using that as a backdrop, or is that something you might consider doing down the track? It's it's unlikely, and yeah. I only say that because um, it, it it's really okay. So I always kind of laugh when I see a toy photographer take this um, this epic journey to a place to go shoot, but ultimately <laughs> you're sh- you're shooting like in twelve square inches of of ground. And you cannot tell. But with that said, I totally get the journey and how it can be very meaningful to go to some place to shoot a toy or shoot whatever because it's just cool and it adds to the story personally, you know. So you you I, make I, like, a good point though there because it's like often uh, I know a lot of portrait photographers and I certainly did this when I was starting. It's all about the background and you think, oh, I found this great location. And so everyone schleps there at dawn and it's like, you know, a three-hour trek to get there. And then when you get the photos back, honestly, it could have been shot anywhere. And so I, and now when I take my clients to the back of like a, you know, at Bunnings, which is the equivalent of a Home Depot, they're like, why are we here? This is awful. And I'm like, <laughs> no, just stay with me. It's about the light. The light here is beautiful right about now. And I'll take a photo and show you. And they go, oh, my God, that's amazing. I, because the, the client sees everything, whereas like as you get more experience, you become more laser focused in what makes a good background as opposed to, you know, what is just like kind of show what looks good in the behind the scenes doesn't necessarily equate so um they're all fantastic tips how 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 much time are you putting into uh shooting each each image yeah so the um i always say the hardest part is coming up with the idea yep once you have the idea the setup um you know every image is different and it could be incredibly complex or it could be super simple the other day i one of my most popular images i just brought woody and it was just woody oh no it was woody and buzz and i propped them on my i didn't even prop them i just stood them up on my kitchen table and you see this image towards the top of my instagram and they were just looking out looking out of the blinds and <laughs> I didn't even use, I didn't even use, like, I always use a tripod of some sort, but yep. I didn't even use a tripod on this one. I just kind of handheld. Wow. And I, and I took the shot. I had one little, um, I used Lytra lights. I had one little Lytra light, um, behind them just to hit, get a, just a little bit of rim light on them. But that one was so easy. And the editing was like as quick as it can be. It was like less than an hour, you know, all in the whole thing probably took an hour total. And again, it just really goes back to the idea and the story being the main, like the most important aspect of it, because the whole idea behind that image was like, Woody saw Andy coming home and he was like, Andy. And he, you know, he saw him out the window <laughs> and, 
and that really has an emotional it really like you could tell that it really um hit the emotions of like most of the people that saw it and it ended up getting a lot of likes yeah and it's beautiful and it was an image that i loved and so in that in that case it was super fast but on the other hand like a lot of my client work they'll involve multiple figures a lot of them airborne for some reason um and you'll have some like multiple effects happening and those are just super time consuming to set up like if i might give a full day to the setup right and then and then the next day the shoot won't necessarily take super long but if you know there's if there's a lot of aspects to it i might spend a couple hours shooting it and then another really lengthy process would be the the editing which could take another couple of days so you know for one image if it took me 5 days that would probably be a little longer than usual. Yep. Um, so, yeah, but it could vary, give or take, from that. And is it always uh, continuous lighting that you're working with, like the little Lytra light? That's like a little cube, kind of a little LED kind of panel, right? Is it is it continuous, or do you ever work with flash? You know, when I first um, started photographing toys, all I had were my speed lights. Yep. And I used MagMod mag, um, modifiers. Yes. And you know, it didn't take me long to realize that it was, it was too much for the toy photography. Um, the way that I shot, at least I think in studio environments, some people do use like speed lights or other types of lights, but I, you know, I, I found these Lytras. I love the continuous aspect because, you know, obviously you see what you get, what yeah. you see, you know, I can see exactly how the shadows are falling in real yeah. time. I can see how the rim light's going to hit it. Um, and it just made so much more sense. And plus these little Lytras, the little cubes I have, they have three different lights, but I, and I have all three, but these cubes, they're, they're all waterproof. Actually, all of them are waterproof. This really? one's waterproof, but yeah. They said but the it, little hundred dollar ones. Yeah. The, those, um, torches, I, the, it's the torch 2.0. Oh, I right. think they're about, I think they're about $90 yeah, US. Right. Yeah. And so there, but all of the lights, there's the pro, there's the torch, there's a the studio, they're all waterproof. Right. But the torch also has a magnetic back. And I was shooting this uh, creature from the Black Lagoon and I had him in like this, I just got the light. So I wanted to see what I could do with them. And I had this like body, like a, it's a container that I filled up with water and I couldn't figure out how to position the lights in the water. So they were shooting upwards towards the creature. Yeah. Um, so I ended up, I found that I had these little sheet metal plates. And so I just basically, because they're magnetized on the back, I just, oh, I just stuck them to clever. the metal plates and then the metal plates of course sunk and I, and I could angle them however I wanted against the wall of the container Yeah. and it was perfect. And I gelled them, I gelled them green. Yeah. Right. And it, was, it was perfect. It was, it was amazing. So this is a case of like, if you go down through my feed, you'll see another one that I did based on the queen's gambit. There's like a chest. Yeah, set I saw in, that. In, yeah, fantastic. Like, yeah. So these are, these are like, you know, you have a really good um, you made the right decision on a certain type of gear when it actually like it drives some of the ideas that you have yes. because, because these lights could do certain things. Now I could do this. Yeah. You know? so amazing. I, yeah. So it's, it's been really good. Those and are I, perfect lights for toy photography. Because it, it also, um, I think the continuous lighting gives it a real cinematic quality as well. Um, you know, that, uh, well, I guess you can get it with uh, speed lights, but I think it's it is nice to see everything in real time. In terms of the lens, you, are you shooting on a macro, and are you like what sort of um, uh, 
are you shooting a longer exposure so you're getting a, a, a nicer depth of field? Because I can see like the background is obviously like the completely bokeh. It's going to be hard to, to get that. But what, what sort of um, yeah, so I'll uh, tell you time exactly what frame? I do. Yeah. I mean, um, up until uh, a couple, I don't know, up until about a month ago, I was shooting with the 5D Mark III. Yep. Um, wow. But I just... I'm sorry. Wow, that's uh, you know, the, quite an old camera. That you goes to show, like that, that you can pick one of those up, 5D Mark III for about I don't know, 700 bucks these days, and yeah, it's a good remember, camera. I'm using yeah. everything that I, that basically almost everything that I was shooting weddings with. Yeah. And so I, I think I got that 5D III maybe 10, 10 yeah. years. I mean, yeah. it, basically right after they came out. Yeah. Um, but about a month ago or less than a month ago, I. I Pulled the trigger on the R6. And, oh, nice! Oh my gosh, that <laughs> I talk about game changers. That's been a new one for me. That's been an actual game changing camera for me. Um, but I do. I bought the um, lens adapter, so I'm still using all my old lenses. But all the right. lens that I use 99 percent of the time, literally 99 percent of the time, is the 135 um, L, the 2.0. And it's a that strange. One, that one thirty-five focal length. I've always said it's a beautiful lens. I had a, a Nikon version of that, and mm -hmm. I it was my sharpest lens. There's something about that focal length that just I don't know. It's just it, it's got this beautiful sweet spot. So this is also my sharpest lens. Yeah. And I love that it's a prime lens, and I love that it's also at least the Canon. It's super light. It's yeah. a, a really light lens. Yeah. And I tend to shoot like at 2.0, which is why you get the bokeh and the compression. Yeah. Um, but I also love it because like anybody who comes to toy photography and they go out and buy their gear because that's what they're doing now, I would say nine out of 10 times they're buying the 100 millimeter macro. Yes. That seems to be what everybody's shooting with. But, you know, because I had this from my wedding photography days, that's what I use. I also love that the 135, you know, it puts me a distance away um, from what I'm shooting because as you know, like I'm splashing water, I'm yeah. throwing dirt, I'm blowing off fireworks. And if I was shooting with my 35, uh, what is it, a 1.4, um, it's in peril. It's definitely in peril from getting yes. dirty and whatnot. So the 135 allows me to shoot from at least five or six feet away, if not more. So, you know, it's just a beautiful lens. And it seems to be even sharper now that I'm using the R6. I can imagine. That's so yeah. interesting. And that's uh, good to know that you can still use the old lenses. Do you think that uh, just being that little bit scooching back that little bit further means that you're getting um, a lot more depth? Even at, at, at uh, F2, you're getting the depth through the figures like because th they don't seem to fall off. Uh, rapidly like the you know a lot of the figure is completely sharp and then you've got that beautiful bokeh background but you've got like elements that are also uh sharp in the frame and, and i think that would have something to do with it whereas the hundred you know shooting f point you know f2 on that you, you might get the eyes sharp and then it starts to drop off you know because you know, you're so sure. close it's a really good point. I mean, because I shoot often multiple characters together yeah. and I'm not focus stacking. I try to yeah. like, I'll, I'll often try to put them on the same plane, focal plane. And if I'm shooting closer, you know, if you shoot further back, you just have a little more, more latitude. Yeah. Yeah. On getting everything a little sharper. So it's a good point. Good because observation. I'm looking at um, the image where you've got uh, Woody uh, and Buzz and Woody's on the sliding down uh, the the jet from a hose, right? Um, oh yes. Uh -huh. And uh, it appears 
the, because I know the size difference between Woody and um, and Buzz, that Buzz is quite a way back in the frame, yet he's sharp. Is that uh, is that focus stacked or is that in camera using that technique at a slightly higher f-stop in that image? Can you remember? Yeah, actually it's, actually, it's neither. Actually, Buzz is just that much smaller than Woody. Oh, he is. Is that yeah, the trick? Least, ah. Yeah, no, at least it, at least these two figures. Um, and actually, if you look, if you were to look at pictures of from the film, you would see that Buzz is actually quite a bit smaller than Woody. Ah, right. <laughs> something there for you your go. Audience. So something for because like, I'm just thinking from toys. It's like Buzz is always bigger than. Uh, so that's uh, that's interesting. That yeah. works. Fantastic. Uh, Mitchell, your work is just an absolute delight to look at and and uh, kudos to you for pulling it off and, uh, you know, um, creating these joyful images. And uh, thank you so much for your time today. Where can people see your work um, if they want? So you've got, like, you're quite active on uh, Instagram and uh, uh, your website. So what are the addresses for those? Yeah, my Instagram and my Facebook are the same. It's Mitchell Wu Photography. It's 1L. And WU, Mitchell Wu Photography. And my website is uh, Mitchell Wu Toy Photography.com. Fantastic. And, I'll, yeah, I will come, put, those links in, I'll put those links in the show notes. Have you got any YouTube or anything like that or any uh, workshops that, that might be happening in the future? Is that something you might be interested in? It's something that I'm definitely interested in. I, I really want to, because toy photography is a global phenomenon. There's yes. toy photographers everywhere. I mean, my goal is to eventually just to hit the road and visit different countries and meet up with different toy photographers, give a few workshops and, and eat a lot of good food and yeah. drink a lot of good drink and have some fun. Yeah, but that's that's down the road right now. I'm pretty busy with um, just the client work, so I'm focused on that. But eventually, yeah, workshops. Fantastic. Uh, appreciate your time today and uh, wish you nothing but continued success and I'll continue to follow your journey. It's uh, quite exciting. So thanks again, Mitchell. Such a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much. Wow, Mitchell Wu. And I have to say, if you haven't already looked at his shots, you must do that. Check him out on Instagram, Mitchell, Mitchell Wu Photography. That's um, M-I-T-C-H-E-L. So just one L, Wu, W-U, photography, and um, his website is mitchellwutoyphotography.com. And they're just great. My favourite one, um, you can find some of the images in the show notes as well. My favourite one is Darth Vader pushing <laughs> a stormtrooper <laughs> on a swing. Oh, just love it. Okay. Anyway, fantastic. Loved, loved hearing from Mitchell Wu. So what are yeah. you doing in the coming week, Gina? All right. So I have a ton of editing to do. Um, I'm about to head off for a walk. I'm going to the coast again this weekend, Val. So oh, another weekend cool. away. you got to make the most of this when you can, Val. Yeah, yeah. Make hay while the sun shines, I say, and then, um, yeah, a couple more shoots to do as well. So uh, busy but in a good way, as I said earlier. What about you? Great you got stuff. your big shoot. I've got my big shoot. Um, yeah. I'm not actually – if it was like my friends and uh, it was I wasn't under so much pressure, I might even try it myself as in behind the camera, but I actually have to write the words to go to this article, to go with this article as well, so it's just yeah. too much for me to cope with. Um, but, yeah, I'm just But you'll be directing. It. Yep. So yeah, it's going to be fun. Cool. 
exciting. Can't wait to hear about it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hopefully it's a nice day. <laughs> oh, for sure. It's Sydney. No problem. Yes, that's right. All right. So where do we find you online, Gina? So you can find me at ginamilitia.com. That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm on all social media, very active on Clubhouse at the moment, <laughs> so, you know, at Gina Militia, and uh, come in and say hello, join one of the rooms. Um, and also, if you want to take your photography to the next level and be like the Goldies that are doing amazing stuff, mm. uh, no matter what genre that you're in if you just want to take your photography next level then do check out the gold community go to ginamilitia.com and click on membership yeah <laughs> yeah i'll get it eventually <laughs> it's like i'm like a goldfish it's like you know <laughs> call me nemo or dory um yeah so go and check it out what about you val you'll find me at valerie koo that's k-h-o-o on twitter and instagram and over at valeriekoo.com thanks for listening everyone and we look forward to chatting to you again next time thanks guys thanks for listening to so you want to be a photographer for more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.